Welcome to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. In this podcast, we interview researchers who are finding and telling the stories of individual World War II fallen heroes. Today, we have the opportunity to be with Jay Jones. Jay, will you take a second and introduce yourself? Yes, I was born and raised in Cedar City, Utah. I graduated from Utah State University, and my first job after college was in Pocatello, Idaho. And that's where I met and married my wife, Lorinda. We moved to Oregon and we lived in Springfield and Grants Pass for several years. Uh, I've returned to Cedar City and the past couple of years, I've written some articles for the local paper about uh, some of the local history. And in 2020, I wrote a series of articles recognizing the contributions of of people from Iron County to the World War II effort. And uh, that was in recognition of seven, 75 years since the end of the war. The local paper received communication from your father, Don, about the Stories Behind the Stars project. The paper forwarded to me his contact information and uh, asked if I'd be interested in uh, becoming involved in the project. And uh, it sounded interesting to me, so uh, so I responded to Don and he sent me the information that was needed to get started. Um, so do you have like a background in researching and writing or is, is that what you did for a career? Or? Uh, I was not really. I was on the staff of the school newspaper. Um, so, uh, certainly could give some credit to some teachers that uh, uh, taught me some, but uh, a lot of it is just uh, jumping in and, and doing what you can, uh, recognizing that maybe somebody else could be a little more polished, but uh, if, if you find some information that uh, not everybody knows about uh, and you share it, you know, things that are of local interest, and then it it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile when somebody says, I saw what you wrote. Thanks for doing that. Uh, I enjoyed reading it. Uh, that's, that's pretty good pay. Um, yeah, I mean, someone needs to do it. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're perfect as long as it gets done. And that's one of the things my dad says a lot is just like, we need people writing. I mean, we don't need, you know, published authors or like professionals. We need people. So that's yeah. what we need. I, I feel like I owe, I owe a great debt that I can't repay to the uh, fallen soldiers from World War II. Um, and I'm not really repaying the debt, but I'm just doing something to say thank you uh, to the sacrifices that were made. Uh, and I've been a beneficiary of that all my life and uh, just want to say thank you. So do you have a, any specific stories that you'd like to share with us in the audience? Yeah, one of the uh, stories I'd like to share is uh, of a soldier named Austin Halderman. He was born and raised in Parowan, Utah, and he played basketball for BYU one season. Uh, following that, he went down to Southern California to work, where he met and married his wife, Wilma, and in January of 1941, he enlisted in the Army Air Corps. 
and he had training in California and New Mexico and uh, was headed through Los Angeles on his way to uh, the Philippines where he was going to be stationed and uh, his wife had their daughter in the hospital the same day that he was passing through but he was unable to to uh, stop to be with her um, so he went to the Philippines uh, and the day after Pearl Harbor the Japanese attacked the Philippines and the United States was not able to reinforce the Philippines and get uh, uh, get materials and supplies to them and and uh, I believe it was in May have my dates right, uh, when there was the fall of Corregidor, which was the last main holdout in the Philippines for the for United States forces. At that time, Austin became a prisoner of war. Uh, he survived the infamous Bataan Death March. And uh, it was about a year later that his family got word that he was indeed a prisoner of war. He had been listed as missing in action for about a year. Uh, a few months later, they got a postcard from him saying that he was well. And uh, as the United States approached the Philippines, uh, the Japanese started withdrawing some of the prisoners to closer to Japan. And he was put on board a prison ship, uh, a ship called the, I don't know if I have the pronunciation right, the Harrison uh, Maru. And that uh, ship was sunk by a United States submarine that didn't know it was carrying prisoners. And um, there were approximately 1,700 prisoners of war that lost their lives in that sinking. I believe it was the single largest uh, loss of U.S. life in, uh, in one uh, incident in the, in the seas during World War II. Um, it uh, was not until quite a bit later that uh, word was received from Japan of, of who were these prisoners uh, that, were, that lost their lives in, in this incident. Um, his daughter did write a, a, a little sketch of her father and the story of what had happened. And uh, I emailed her asking for permission to use this. It was kind of publicly posted and maybe didn't need to uh, ask permission, but I thought it was the right thing to do and uh, let her know, you know that this story was going to be posted on the uh, Fold3 website. And uh, she responded back and uh, it was quite touching to hear from her. Um, she said that one of her... Uh, father's friends during that time in prison camp. He made several friends, but one of them uh, went back after the war to touch base and found out that, uh, that uh, his good friend Austin had, had perished. And uh, he ended up where, uh, marrying Austin's widow and raising the daughter as his own daughter. And she said she was very fortunate to have two wonderful fathers. So, <clears throat> excuse me for getting a little bit emotional, but uh, uh, 
these stories really do come home. You, you, you learn to uh, get a greater degree of, of respect and, and uh, closeness to, to these people that uh, sacrifice so much. That's so beautiful that, you know, she never got to meet her dad, but her dad in life was a man that, you know, went through this horrific experience with her dad. And, you know, that's just amazing that. Yeah. One of the postcards that he sent home, they were allowed to write a few postcards home from prison camps in uh, the Philippines. And one of those uh, postcards, he did express uh, his desire to meet his daughter, Judy. But uh, he was ne never able to do that. Um, another story, uh, it's actually related to the first story, was Milo Mortensen, who was also from Parowan. Um, he believed he was a distant relative to Austin, but he certainly knew about Austin's capture and prisoner of war status. Um, he was one of the first uh, men drafted from Iron County into World War II joined the service in November of 1940. Uh, he left for overseas duty in November of 1942 and served in New Guinea. He became uh, part of a ranger battalion and he was involved in the uh, invasion of the Philippines. And as the uh, Japanese were not able to evacuate all of the prisoners of war quickly enough, uh, and of course, uh, some of them they did try to evacuate uh, uh, were killed in, in uh, attacks. Uh, one of the prison camps that the Japanese held was uh, uh, they killed the prisoners, and uh, the United States got word of that and and uh, said we need to send some rangers in and see if we can't uh, uh, get some prisoners rescued before before they're killed. So Milo's ranger unit was selected to uh, go behind enemy lines and with, with help from uh, loyal Philippine forces, uh, they were able to uh, locate and, and uh, get information about one of the prison camps. And uh, this was the prison camp at Cabanatuan. And uh, they were successful in rescuing about 500 prisoners from that. And Milo was a, a key part in that. He was hoping that uh, Austin would be one of the prisoners rescued, but uh, he was not. Um, but uh, I believe they made a movie about that incident, and uh, it became quite well known. Um, but uh, the Phil he, Milo had written a letter home to his family telling about uh, the experience, and the paper published that letter. So that was quite a quite a fascinating story there. Um, about two months later, Milo was involved in a, another um, mission behind enemy lines, and he was uh, he was wounded and, and died of his wounds from that uh, from that later incident. So um, one of the heroes of Cabanatuan uh, was not able to uh, return home to his family. And Milo wrote quite a bit about the uh, contributions of the Filipino soldiers that, uh, that uh, knew the villages that were loyal and, and uh, 
and, uh, that staked out the, uh, the stake out may not be the right word, but uh, had, had uh, visited the camps and knew where the guards were and, and uh, knew how things were set up. And uh, one of the things uh, going into that raid, they, they got a, an American plane to fly over that camp. And the pilot was uh, was quite a quite a ham. He would cut his engine off and then turn it back on, and it would sputter. And all of the guards were looking up in the air and paying no attention to the area around the camp as as it was being raided. And so they were caught totally by surprise. Um, so anyway, that was uh, part of the story that uh, I found quite fascinating. That but, takes a lot uh, my, of guts, though, as that pilot to be like, I'm just going to turn my plane off. <laughs> and like, No, don't do that. He, he probably saved some American lives as, uh, as he did that because uh, the Japanese uh, guards offered no resistance. Then uh, the Filipino soldiers, uh, they were stationed at various highways as, uh, as uh, reinforcements were coming in for the Japanese. They uh, uh, took care of several tanks and several truckloads of, of uh, reinforcements coming. And uh, all of the prisoners uh, were able to escape. Apparently two of them died before they got back to uh, friendly lines. But, uh, uh, they died of heart attacks from their weakened condition and, and the uh, excitement of the, of the evacuation. But uh, none of them were... Uh, were were hurt or, or killed by enemy forces. Another amazing story uh, that I learned about was uh, Frank Hunter, who was born in Cedar City. Uh, he was a, an excellent athlete in football and basketball. And uh, he was working in Salt Lake or near Salt Lake at the Bingham, Bingham Copper Mines. And he enlisted in the Army Air Force in January of 1942. Uh, he was stationed in North Africa. He was the pilot of a, a B-17 uh, Flying Fortress bomber. And on one of the bomber missions, they were flying over Italy, and uh, their formation got attacked by about uh, 50 enemy fighters. And his plane was hit. Um, they fought off some of the uh, some of the enemy planes and were able to rejoin the formation. And another group of enemy planes came and and hit them. Uh, his plane was badly damaged, but uh, two engines were knocked out. Um, the wings were damaged. The instruments uh, uh, were knocked out and the flaps and the wheels were unusable. But he was able to fly back to uh, the base in Tunisia and land successfully on the belly without landing gear. Uh, several of the uh, airmen aboard had been injured in the uh, encounters, but he was able to land without uh, incurring further inju injuries to any of the crew. His mother wrote him a letter following this, it, the event apparently got national radio attention, and uh, his mother wrote him a letter, uh, and 
it impressed. He shared it with a couple of his buddies, and uh, they posted it on the bulletin board. And the colonel saw it, and uh, he decided to write a letter to his mother and uh, said what a fine son he was and how, how proud he was of them, just as, as she was proud of him. And he said it was one of the finest letters he had ever read from a mother to a son. Uh, about a month after the first incident, uh, uh, Frank Hunter was flying another mission over Italy, and uh, this time um, uh, did not survive. They were hit and, and crashed, and uh, he was initially listed as missing in action, but uh, we found out that, uh, that uh, he and several of the crew did not, did not survive that accident. But uh, the, uh, the letter from the colonel was published in the local paper, and it was quite a, uh, quite a fascinating uh, letter that the colonel wrote, uh, saying what uh, fine young men were, uh, were these pilots. And, and, uh, Frank Hunter's example was, uh, was shared with so many others brave and fearless and talented and with just a little bit of training were able to do so well and uh, the colonel made a statement that uh, he wished that that they could all come home but unfortunately knowing the the hazards of the war that uh, that uh, some would not make it so that was uh, a letter that i i found very fascinating and the story of frank hunter i, I found uh, very touching. Another story I'd like to share is Lavelmo Platt. He was born in Canaraville, and he joined the Marines when he was 18 years old. He had not yet finished high school. Uh, he turned 18 before he finished high school, but he was in the same class as my father. And uh, he served, he left and served overseas. Uh, and was involved in the Battle of Iwo Jima. And uh, he was killed uh, about midway through that battle of Iwo Jima. Uh, I don't know a lot more about Elmo Platt, but uh, felt a tie just he was in the same class as my father. Uh, he was anxious to serve as soon as he could um, and, uh, and paid the ultimate sacrifice. But, uh, he went to uh, high school in Cedar City, um, and uh, that's where my dad also went to high school. So did your dad know him then? or I'm, I'm sure he did. It was a class of about 100 students in the graduating class, so I'm sure he did. Uh, my dad didn't tell me the story. My dad lost a couple of cousins in the war, and uh, he didn't tell me their stories either. So I think I, I'm, I'm grateful that a lot of stories have been shared lately. Um, you know, in the past 10 and 15 and 20 years, there's been a lot more focus on these stories. And uh, I'm glad the stories got shared, even though some of them maybe um, we were too late to get shared. One final story uh, is Dewey Topham. He was born in Paraguna, Utah. And his family had a ranch in the Bear Valley, which is northeast of Paraguna. And he entered service in 1942 in January. Um, he was in a, 
Mechanized Cavalry Reconnaissance Squadron. Um, and uh, he happened to be uh, uh, in the Ardennes Forest at the time of the Battle of the Bulge. And uh, of course, the American lines were quite weak. They were not expecting a German attack. The Germans came with a massive attack, and uh, the area where Dewey was at, uh, there were thousands of uh, Americans that were killed or captured during the, the Battle of the Bulge. Dewey was was uh, captured. Um, he had been without food for uh, probably three days before capture, and then after capture, marched across Germany in wintertime and with very little food, and uh, was very malnourished. Uh, he was freed by American forces in Germany in, uh, in April of 1945, which is about four months later. But uh, he weighed about 75 pounds, and 85 pounds, excuse me, but uh, he had weighed 175 pounds going in, so he was half of his body weight. Uh, he was sent to a hospital, and uh, his brother, who was serving uh, in France with American forces, was able to visit him at the hospital. Uh, Dewey <clears throat> had a had a Bible. He had left it in camp uh, before evacuating and, and trying to get back to American lines, but uh, he had left it at camp. But as he was walking in the road after capture, he saw a Bible on the ground and he asked the guard if he could pick it up and he was allowed to pick it up. And somehow it was the Bible that he had left back at camp. But he said during his captivity that uh, it offered a lot of support and, and comfort to him. Um, I believe he gave that Bible to his brother, if I have the story right. But uh, his condition did not improve. He, he contracted uh, pneumonia, and there were complications from that. He was transferred to a hospital in Paris, uh, but he did not survive. And so uh, uh, lived to the end of the war, or to the end of the war in Europe, but uh, died of the malnutrition that had suffered from, from his prison experience. Um, his, his brother, Waldo, uh, lived in Cedar City. He had a son that was, uh, or has a son that's my brother's age. Uh, so I, I knew who he was. I did not have any idea that he had a brother that had, uh, had gone through this experience. So it's really been a great experience learning some stories of, of people that uh, I know many of their relatives, some of them, uh, they are my relatives, and I didn't really know their stories. Um, it's, it's really a great experience to, uh, to learn about this. Um, I learned that Iron County has a lot to be proud of, but I also believe that uh, everywhere in the country has a lot to be proud of, because there were heroes from everywhere. Um, and uh, their stories deserve to be told, and they deserve to be remembered. And, uh, thank you for this opportunity to, to share.
Well, it's been a great experience for me, and I think it would be a great experience for many people. Uh, again, uh, you don't have to be an expert at this. And uh, there's there's things that uh, everybody that has a desire to to uh, learn a little bit about this uh, can do so and can share some stories that will change their lives. You know, think about if we had a Jay Jones in every county, then we'd be done, right? We'd get this project knocked out of the park. <laughs> well, Iron County is a small county, so some counties would need uh, two or three or four or five, but uh, or more the, the uh, where the cities are. But uh, Iron County, uh, I believe, had you know, six or seven thousand people at the start of the war, but uh, even the even the small counties. Uh, contributed great things to uh, this effort and uh, how fortunate we are to, to have the, the people that stood up and, and uh, made the sacrifices and, and uh, we, we still have a great country and we, we still need to know the stories and, and step up and, and do what we can even though it's so much less. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today with me. It's been really amazing to hear these stories. Just it's hard not to get emotional and cry, you know, as you're as you're learning these stories. I find myself often during the podcast just being done with the podcast and just being like, wow, these, these young men were just the cream of the crop and they gave so much. And so awesome to hear these stories. And thank you for taking your time with us today. Really appreciate well, it. Well, thanks to you and thanks to your father. Uh, I think it's a great thing that he's done, and I'm glad there's so many people that are pitching in and, and helping out. But I, I know it's a big country. We need a lot of people. Thank you for listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. We're so grateful you're here with us today. If you like this content, please consider subscribing. Please consider donating on storiesbehindthestars.org or even better yet, volunteering to help write these stories. We're so grateful for all of our many volunteers who are making this project happen. And if you have a story you think needs to be on this podcast, contact us at contactstoriesbehindthestars.org.